You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello, and thanks for joining us for our bi-weekly podcast. This is Solar Insiders, and my name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid. And joining us as usual is solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Nigel from Solar Analytics, how are you? Giles, I'm really, really well, and it's only, um, what, uh, 12 more sleeps till Christmas. So, you know, I'm excited. Well, it could be 11 sleeps or 10 sleeps or 9 sleeps or 8 sleeps, depending on whether you're listening to this podcast, which is one of the beautiful about this things about this technology. But yeah, look, it's getting pretty close and getting pretty exciting. And um, we're all about to wrap up, but I think we've got one more after this one, haven't we? That's right. We'll probably slip one more in before Christmas. Um, yeah, the, we, the year is running out so rapidly, though, and there's so much still going on, and, and everyone's flat chat out there. It's hard to get people to pick up the phone, I must admit. Look, it's the same thing as we go into Christmas, um, same thing just pretty much every year, and then it just completely stops and um, we'll be enjoying a break. But look, let's just get into some of the things that we've got on today. Um, look, we are bringing in uh, Stefania Anderson later on um, to talk, um, to help take us through some of the issues with metering, but let's first get into some of the news of the week, um, or, the, or the last um the last 10 days. Look, confirmation that the solar boom is happening and not just in rooftop solar, but also large scale solar. I guess it's what we already knew, but um, more than one gigawatt of solar um, being put up in Australia um, and a record for rooftop solar, despite the fact that we basically don't have any more premium feed and tariffs. Yep, um, no sign of it stopping uh, at all. In fact, records being broken all over the place in the people that I'm talking to. So it'll be really interesting to see where November ends up because, uh, I beg your pardon, where December ends up because um, December's usually pretty tight um, with everyone switching off. But a number of people I've been talking to are desperately trying to get installers to work over Christmas and, and run right through. So I, th- I think it could, could be really interesting December. It could be, yeah, and not really a surprise given that there's absolutely no prospect for a fall in grid prices anytime soon. Um, despite all the different things that we talk about, no one's actually talking about any of any big fall, and um, and that's a problem. Look, that brings me to battery storage, Nigel. Um, look, rooftop solar has boomed, obviously, because we know the technology pretty well and the costs have come down. Battery storage, not so much. In fact, it might even disappoint this year, you reckon? Yeah, it's interesting because um, I've ch- been chatting with some of the bigger suppliers in the market and trying to get a handle on uh, where everyone thought the year would get to and pretty consistent stories going around that it looks like this year could be about 30% down on what everyone was originally projecting. Uh, so, you know, maybe in the order of about 10,000-ish if we're lucky. At the high, people were projecting maybe as much as fifteen or even 20,000, uh, which was always going to be a stretch, um, but certainly possible. But um, there are a number of factors have have impacted on that, not least of which, of course, is Tesla, who um, have got a lot of people uh, signed up with deposits and really, really wanting their technology, but still, you know, um, waiting a little bit um, to get hold of that product. But the other thing that was really highlighted to me was how complex this stuff is. Whether you're a manufacturer trying to meet changing standards, whether you're trying to learn how to design good battery systems, whether you're learning how to install equipment that you're not familiar with, uh, whether you're learning how to program that equipment that's complex to program and commission, um, this is cutting edge technology. 
technology. And so it's more complicated than a lot of people uh, uh, maybe originally anticipated. And of course, we've seen one or two companies, uh, fairly substantial companies like GCL, for example, who came in with an amazingly well-priced battery product but couldn't really successfully get it to market and ultimately pulled it off the market. So um, still going to be an incredible year and we'll probably set some global records for deployment of storage in, in Australia, um, but um, not going to hit the targets that we expected. That's interesting. I guess one of the issues is about price and um, I've got to sort of raise another issue of, of the shonk files and I, I know that you want to go into the shonk files but um, look we've just talked about this before. These are about these sort of things that come through the mail offering you a battery storage device um, at a 30% discount. Now um, a couple of days ago I actually got this um, this quote came through the mail and it's not a 30% discount at all. It's actually twice the cost that you can get it anywhere else. So look there is some real dodgy practices going on out there and I just can't repeat myself often enough if you're a consumer out there and you're interested in battery storage for goodness sake get more than one quote get more than two quotes get three quotes because if you're not too sure about the actual cost you might actually get a pleasant surprise and if you just go with one quote you might get yourself an unpleasant surprise but look in battery storage that's not the only thing that dodgy things are happening Nigel. No, that's right. And, and I'm with you, Giles. I think every week we just need to keep reminding people um, to be careful um, and to look around. And I know I've seen a number of um, uh, uh, end users and consumers of Solo who are listening. Um, great to have you along, listeners. Thank you. Um, and, you know, the stories that are out there, just, you know, you wonder how it could actually happen. But I had a call from someone last week who said, look, we're interested in your monitoring equipment. And I said, OK, well, you're, you're a corporate client. Uh, potentially of ours, what is it that interests you? And, and they said, well, we've discovered that we've got a number of clients who have solar on their buildings and they weren't getting the savings that they expected. We did some initial investigation and actually discovered that those solar panels were never connected. Um, they were sitting on the roof for two years. And I, and I, I said, wow, that's, I've, I've heard of that on the odd occasion, but I've never heard of it um, being a really common thing. And, and this guy I was talking to said, look, we've, we've looked at five systems so far and none of them have been connected. And uh, so no oh, wonder the savings man. weren't coming. So certainly you need to be aware of, um, uh, you know, again, crossing the T's and dotting the I's and making sure that you, you, you know how to check that your system's doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, look, and you've got another example too of um, some people just sort of um, putting the frighteners out there saying that the rebates are down 40% and presumably that's in relation to the um, that upfront re rebate with the um, X-Rex. Um, that's not quite the case either, so people should probably ignore that and um, a bit of phoenixing going on as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, an, another yet another example um, that was brought to my attention where, you know, a, a, a very complex and tangled web of companies, trading names and directors, um, in this case associated with 12 different entities, believe it or not, so 12 different companies or trading names, all related in various ways all out there um, uh, trying to um, play different roles in the solar industry in one form or another and some with absolutely deceptive and misleading names so designed to confuse clearly um, so you know I just again urge consumers to be real careful. Now look there's an issue on um, uh metering here and look this is a problem um, which I don't fully understand but um, you want to bring on um, Stefan, probably now's the time to bring in Stefan don't you reckon? 
Yeah, I think so. And, and, and you know, metering and, you know, what the network guys are doing out there is, is you know, of something that's of great interest to everybody in the industry. There's been a lot of, lot of um, stories, um, or there are always stories about what's going on. And, and, you know, we saw Essential Energy in the press last week talking about uh, extensive customer engagement program, which had given the business a better understanding of what consumer preferences were. Um, which turns out to be that they didn't want price rises. Who knew? Um, so, you, you know, you, you read things like that and you wonder what's going through the network's minds sometimes when they actually had to engage consultants to go out and discover that pr consumers didn't want their prices to go up. Okay, and uh, let's get on to the special topic of the day then, which is about metering. And um, time to formally welcome our special guest, Stefan Janison, the CEO of uh, Solar Analytics. Thanks for joining us, Stefan. Uh, good afternoon, Giles. It's nice to join you. Good, good, good. Yeah, look, it's great to have you here too. And um, yeah, look, um, just give us a, a brief overview of the smart metering or, or, or the metering issue. I mean, fundamentally, um, what is it about? I mean, my understanding is it's kind of um, everyone's sort of saying, let's have meters. And you guys are sort of saying, well, let's think about that because it's not necessarily the be all and end all. Look, or smart uh, meters. That's right. Look, I think the first thing to understand is what does it mean to be a smart meter? So a smart meter means that it's an interval meter, which means it measures our energy imported or energy exported from our home every 30 minutes, and that that is remotely transmitted to the central registry or um, database at least once a day. Typically, it's done once a day, so a day behind. So that's what a smart meter means. It basically means that you get more granular energy information and someone doesn't have to come out and read your meter manually. It can all be done automatically. And of course, smart meters are nothing new. We've had them in Victoria throughout most of, you know, 98% of Victorians have a smart meter for many years now. Well, someone would say that not, they, they weren't actually that smart in, in, because of the product they chose and the way they chose to roll them out. There's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, yeah. So what's the issue currently then in Queensland? Because I think Nigel's sort of, you know, sort of spotted something up at Essential Energy. Nigel, can you just sort of briefly just sort of give us um, give us a very quick overview as to what the issue is there? Yeah, so uh, what I became aware of was, was two things. One was the confusion that inevitably comes with changing regulations. And there's not necessarily much you can do about that. But, you know, on December the 1st, the rules changed in Queensland, whereby now there are a whole bunch of different entities involved in the metering space. It's not simply a matter of you contact Energex or you contact Ergon and they just come and slap your meter in and there's a standard charge. It's suddenly got a whole lot more complex. And what got really interesting was when I saw some of the complaints turning up on Facebook from solar installers saying, oh, I don't know what I'm going to, my customer doesn't know what they're going to pay and they don't know when it's going to be installed. It, it, when I dug into it and actually made some phone calls and, and acted like a customer, I was getting different answers. I was getting things that were inconsistent. And that's when I spoke to Stefan and he explained some of the background of what's going on with these changes. So Stefan, tell us, you were explaining to me the way the entities work the other day and, the, and what's changing and what's driven that change. Tell us a bit about that. Okay, so the federal government and particularly the um, Australian Energy Market Operator and um, Australian Energy Regulator, the AER and AMO, have put out regulation which says from the 1st of December this year, um, all new and replacement meters must be smart meters. So whereas before um, you could anybody 
whoever was coming to put in your meter could choose what type of meter they would put in. Now it must be a smart meter by law. The second thing that's happened since the 1st of December as part of power of choice is that the structure has changed. And as you say, it's been made a lot more complicated. So what we've got in the energy industry is we've got our retailers, which we're all familiar with, you know, Origin, Energy Australia, and, you know, the 30-odd other energy retailers who can sell electricity to end consumers. Um, some of those energy retailers are vertical retailers. So, you know, over in Western Australia, you've got Horizon, who generates the electricity, they own the poles and wires, and they sell the electricity to the customer. Whereas on the eastern seaboard in Australia, so New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, and so on, we have um, what's called a Gentailer model, which means that if you are a retailer selling electricity to customers, um, you can't be involved in um, providing, uh, you can generate electricity, but you can't own the poles and wires, the transmission and distribution system. Now, what you what there are in the system is there's a number of different parties. So specifically related to meters, obviously the retailer who's selling you the electricity, they need to know how much electricity you're consuming. They get that data from the meter on your wall. Now that meter, as of the 1st of December, the retailer appoints a company called a metering coordinator. So these are new entities and there are 23 bodies who've applied to be metering coordinators. Uh, last time I checked, only six or seven of them had actually been approved, but I think they'll all come through the system fairly quickly. They're being approved by AMO. Um, and these bodies are the ones who coordinate putting the meter on the wall. What they then do is they then appoint a meter data, a meter provision provider, so a meter point provider, so a company that comes and actually hangs the physical meter on your wall. And that could be anyone from Osgrid to Vector or anyone. There's a Metropolis. There's a number of um, those meter point providers around. And then there's another party in the mix called a meter data provider. And that's the person who actually takes the data from that meter and provides it to AMO, to the market regulator, and to the energy retailer so that they can bill their customer. Typically, the MPPMDP are the same company, but they don't have to be. This is sounding vaguely ridiculous, Stefan. It sounds like sort of piling bureaucracy upon your bureaucracy, costs upon costs. Not so much a power of choice, but sort of this sort of unwelcome obligation and unnecessary costs. It's, it sounds to me like the, sort of the gold plating of the grid all over again. Look, it's very hard to know what will happen. It's it's along with our true capitalist model where we think competition always beats a monopoly. And, you know, whereas we used to have one, so in New South Wales, we used to have one company, Osgrid, in the Sydney metropolitan area, who owned the distribution system. They owned all the meters. They put all the meters out there. They were all manually read meters, so the old meters. Um, and they would read those meters every three months or six months. And they would charge, and then they would provide that information to the market operator and to the retailer. And they would charge, you know, on average, $22 a year for the privilege of providing you that service. With these new smart meters, it's now a fully competitive market. So you'll have people vying for each other's business um, and you've got different, um, you know, you've got banks like Macquarie in there who are offering to fund the rollout of these meters. Um, what it basically means is that, yes, we will get greater granularity data and more frequent data, which is a good thing. And more data and more granular data is always a good thing and will always lead eventually to new and um, enhanced and innovative products. 
However, it does also mean that that cost to read the data is now going up from $22 to on average about $100 a year. What's the smartest way of going about this then? I mean, this sort of, sort of sounds like the, sort of this, the, the, the problem that we have in the energy industry often is that we actually sort of introduce something in the name of competition, but the competition ends up being who can actually extract the most out of the consumer rather than actually who can deliver the best benefits to the consumer. So w- what should we be doing here? What, what's, you know, yeah. Oh, look, I would hesitate to say what we should do. I mean, the energy market is a complex space. You know, from a theoretical perspective, if you've got a natural monopoly like meters or electricity infrastructure my personal suggestion and i stress this is just my personal suggestion is um, that it should just be run by a monopoly and the government should control it and the government should um, corporatize it in a sense so that it keeps its costs as low as possible you know it's like roads or the provision of telephone lines down your street we don't want six sets of cables running down the street because that is just incredibly cost inefficient. This is really interesting to me because for two reasons here, Um, Giles, in in your other podcast, Energy Insiders, Audrey Siebelman very eloquently described the energy market as like an orchestra uh, that needed to be very carefully managed uh, to get all the um, uh, the pieces of the orchestra or the pieces of the energy market working um, in 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 concert together. And and this is in fact what really what really strikes me about this whole metering thing is it's been shoved into a corner and there's there's a whole there's like there's like there's another conductor managing the whole metering space. The thing that actually prompted me on all of this was when I was looking at the Queensland example. Uh, I noticed that, for example, if you um, uh, swap to a new meter, you will still be charged a residual cost for the stranded asset of the old meter going forward, which which is a classic example of one of these market perversions. God, how do we get to that? That, that just that just sounds um, that just sounds incredible. So, what can sort of I mean, is, is there anything there that consumers and customers and sort of retailers can sort of you know can, can think about can do? Look, the sad fact is that these regulations are now in place. They are not going away. Um, We have to live with them. And really from a consumer or a retailer perspective, no, there's not a lot you can do. You know, what we have to accept is that there will be an increase in cost of $75 a year on average across per consumer, um, across the fleet. And that's, we're just all going to have to live with that at what we, what, really is incumbent on us is to make use of this increased data. So in Victoria, they've had smart meters for many years, and really there's been no perceptible benefit accruable to consumers or retailers for that matter, as a result of this increased data. Um, and that's what we need to do is, is start offering up new and innovative solutions for customers, making reconciliation and settlement much, much faster, um, being able to allow people to move and pay bills on a daily basis, not a monthly or or quarterly or yearly basis, um, all those sorts of things, uh, and being able, able to allow people much more innovative tariff structures. And I'm going to jump in here because you said, what can consumers do was one of your questions, Giles. And I learned a lesson last week because I acted like a consumer and I rang a retailer and I said, look, if I was to get solar on, what metering costs 
would I be um, subject to? And I was given a price, a range of prices for that metering. Uh, and I said, is that all I'd have to pay? And the retailer who I spoke to said, yes, that's all you'd have to pay. And I said, great. There's no ongoing cost then. And they said, oh, yes, there is an ongoing cost. And they told me about the ongoing cost that they weren't going to admit to me. Uh, they, I then said, well, what's the ongoing cost for? And they described how the ongoing cost was for the cost of the meter. And I said, but aren't I paying up front for the meter? And they said, well, yes, but this is an ongoing cost for the other part, which is the installation part and so forth. So anyway, the lesson was, as a consumer, you really do need to ask some questions. You need to make sure that you're challenging the retailers and you're challenging your meter uh, provision providers to make sure that they're actually giving you a straight answer. And while ever we've got these big changes going on in the market, they're as confused as most of the punters are as well. I guess what concerns me, Stefan, is that this seems to me to be another case where under the you know, guise of a lovely headline called Power of Choice, and that sounds wonderful, we're kind of laying upon, you know, putting in another layer of new technologies, of new regulations, which simply adds to cost. And as you pointed out before, unless it actually leads to this distinct, this significant reduction in cost, then it's all going to be quite pointless. Because, I mean, I think we will understand now that we're all paying roughly the equivalent of 40 cents a kilowatt hour, if we include the sort of the fixed network charges. That's a perfectly ridiculous price to pay for electricity. Yet we have all these technologies. We've got rooftop solar, which must only be between 5 and 10 cents. We've got the potential for battery storage, all these other smart software things, we really should be delivering electricity at a fundamentally lower cost than what we're now paying. Look, you're absolutely right. And I guess there's a few things from a consumer perspective. The first thing I would say is I would encourage all consumers out there to be very sure they don't pay a cent for their smart meter. There are many good retailers out there who will swap over your smart meter for free. That's a very good um, so point. If you, uh, if you are installing solar, if you don't have a solar system currently and you want to get one, which would probably be the best financial decision you're going to make in the next five years, I would highly encourage you to do that. And should you do that, put the biggest system you can on your roof, even to the point of putting it on the south solar on the south side of your roof. And I can talk about that a bit later if you like, where I was blown away by some numbers I discovered courtesy of the Australian PV Institute. Um, but back to the meter, there are meter providers who will give you a smart meter when you put your solar on, which they by law have to do, but they'll do it for free. I think that's probably an important thing. Let's go straight onto the south side installation because I'm a bit interested in that one. So, so I looked at um, my energy bill just recently um, from one of the large energy retailers, um, and it's a fairly new one, so it was one of their better offers. I have, you know, I have a solar system and I have a 15 cent feed-in tariff, but a few things struck me about this bill. Um, the first is, do you know what my peak, I'm on a time of use tariff because I've got one of these lovely smart meters. You know what my peak time of use energy rate is? Oh, probably about $1,000 a megawatt hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's not far off. It's it's 59.4 cents a kilowatt That's hour. That's $590 a megawatt hour, people. That's ridiculous. $590. Yeah. It, it's a very large sum. Um, fortunately, I have a small solar system, a three kilowatt solar system on the north side of my roof. So, you know, I'm saving about 60 or $70 a month um, by having that on the roof, which is great. That's terrific. I'm, I'm, that makes me very happy. You know, that's some seven, over $700 a year I'm saving. What occurred to me was I would like to have no energy bill. So I said, well, how do I do that? I looked into a battery and um, for me, it's not quite the value that's there yet. I'm not yet ready to put a battery in because, you know, the ten or $12,000 cost really is pretty marginal on ever paying back. 
So I um, used the APVI Sunspot program, which is this amazing program they've rolled out, which will show you how much sunlight is on your roof uh, if you're in an area they've mapped. And it will tell you the pitch, pitch of your roof, the tilt of your roof. You can map, you can draw the, where you want the solar system to be on your roof, and it will tell you how much electricity a solar system installed flash to the roof, or you can put an angle on it, will actually generate. So I did that, and out of fun, because I've been a bit of a PV nerd, I've known this for a long time, I put it on the south side of my roof. Now, I've got a steep roof, so it's a worst-case south side roof. It's still economically best thing for me to do is go and whack another three kilowatts on the south side of my roof because you've been even though yeah even though i'm going to export almost 100 percent of that electricity at 15 cents a kilowatt hour it costs me less than 10 cents a kilowatt hour um, to generate that electricity yes. even though it's on the south side of my roof that's amazing hey just going back to those peak prices where you're paying 59 cents a kilowatt hour just just briefly how long does that peak period last I think the peak period is from 2 or 3 p.m. till about 10 p.m. That's right. And it might even be in the morning as well. It's, it's enormous. My, my off-peak rate, Giles, my off-peak rate is 17 cents a kilowatt hour. Well, that's, 17, off -peak that's, well, that's what, that, that's what the, your full all-in price of electricity should be, quite frankly. I'm sorry, but that's, um, you know, it shouldn't be any more than 17 cents. And the fact that they push up to 59 cents for most of the day, I just think it's outrageous. And if they ever wonder why people disappear off the grid or sort of tear, tear their hair out and what have you, then, you know, therein lies the answer. Um, Nigel, do you want to throw in a couple of last comments before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, look, only that, you know, this this is all part of the orchestra that, you know, uh, we need to get better aligned and it's part of the reason why we suffer the frustrations we do. You know, this issue of peak pricing going from, uh, you know, in my area, it's 2 p.m. till 8 p.m. Um, has nothing to do with the correlation of the peak demand for energy for, for much of that time period. And that's just an archaic uh, time period that they've just left in place uh, that they really should have addressed many many years ago as they started to see the change so you know it was very refreshing to hear Audrey talking about how she's trying to better conduct this and I really encourage her to look hard at the metering and the regulations and controls and and deployment of these new programs around metering. Absolutely. And I would encourage people who have not listened to that episode with Audrey Zieberman. Um, it was about a half an hour and some really fascinating insight into um, into the energy issues. And what was particularly encouraging about it or refreshing about it was this, that this is someone who sort of sees the opportunities and sees some of the solutions and talks about this transition in a very, very positive way, rather than some of the other nonsense that was served up elsewhere. Hey guys, we're going to have to wrap this up now, but Stefan, look, thanks for joining us. Some fantastic insights onto the metering and also some of the solar PV data and that peak pricing. And um, I'd just like to thank you for, and your organisation for um, sponsoring um, Solar Insiders um, so far this year. It's um, It's been fantastic. We're, we're up to our 10th anniversary. I think um, Nigel was Yay. talking about baking a 10th birthday cake. But, uh... <laughs> so thanks very much, Stefan. Uh, look, you're most welcome. We're delighted to sponsor. I think you do an enormously valuable job educating both our solar installer um, and reseller community as well as the general public who listen in. So, yeah, we're indebted, indebted to all of you. Well, long may it last. And, um, Nigel, we're going to be back for one more little go, just you and me, I think, next week, sort of talking about the highs and lows of the year and what we can expect in 2018. The Christmas show. I'll have um, stupid ears and a crazy hat on. 
trust me. Just as well, just as well we're not a video show then. <laughs> thanks very much, both of you. And um, thanks very much to our listeners. As usual, I um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Please give us your feedback. Please leave a review on iTunes. Please tell your friends and associates about it. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. By navigating the changing energy landscape, Solar Analytics helps increase solar performance and saves money. Visit solaranalytics.com.au. Get empowered and make the most of your home energy.